Hey everyone, welcome back to Inside of the Game. Another episode, and uh, I have another guest with me as well, but you have heard this guy before. He is my fellow Titans writer, podcaster, fan, uh, living where I used to live in the great old city of Nashville. Um, and so we're separated by states, but hey, Titans fans are uh, are one nation together. So we are uh, we're here. Mike, how are you? We kind of had some issues with some with some recording a little bit ago, but we're going to kind of push through that and, and keep on rolling here. That's right, man. I, I appreciate you having me. Okay, so uh, we're going to get to the Titans towards the end of the show um, because I, I, I want to get to a few of the things that have happened over the world of around the world of football. Obviously, with the playoff games that happened uh, last week, we're down to eight football teams left um, in going into the divisional round. I kind of want to start with this, though. Obviously, the big news here around the area is the new head coach. And I've been asking people, what was your gut uh, thought when you heard about the the, the hiring? Um, I guess from a fit standpoint, I guess from a football standpoint, you know, however you heard the news, whether it was Twitter, when you found out McCarthy was the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, what were kind of your initial reactions? My initial thought was that it, I was I was a little bit surprised. I kind of figured that uh, that that Jerry was going to go more for the up and coming, you know, flashy guy like a Lincoln Riley or, or somebody along those lines, or kind of make a a bigger swing for the fences, I guess. Um, and you know, McCarthy, I don't know that he was always necessarily. Uh, the, the guy that he was towards the end of his run in Green Bay, but um, it does seem like he either, you know, the, the big Tyler Dunn piece in the uh, in Bleacher Report still kind of sticks out to me, um, you know, talking about him taking naps in his office and, and that kind of thing, and it sounded like he was just kind of checked out towards the end. So I don't know if maybe his, uh, his firing uh, in Green Bay kind of woke him up a little bit and, and he, you're going to get a revamped guy, uh, you know, maybe with some renewed purpose in, in Dallas. Uh, I think if that's true, then that it could work, um, especially if he's, you know, a reformed guy like uh, like he says he is, you know, after taking the year to study study the game and where it's going and some of the, the analytics uh, comments that he's made uh, coming out of the, the hiring. I think all that sounds promising, but – you know, whether that's lip service to, to win the press conference, so to speak, or, you know, he's actually changed as a coach, uh, I think still bears watching. Here's here's the thing, I guess the thing that shocked me the most. Now, uh, when when Jerry hired Bill Parcells, uh, afterwards, after the fact, we kind of all found out that this was kind of in the works. Uh, Jerry had met with him previously in New York a couple times, weeks into the season, kind of almost prepping him, hey, I kind of want you to be the head coach of the Cowboys. This is kind of what it felt like to me because, to me, and I guess just from a person that's lived here, seeing how Jerry has worked out everything, it was kind of hard for me to believe that you, being the Dallas Cowboys, the most expensive sports franchise on planet Earth, the only two guys that you interviewed were were Marvin Lewis and, and Mike McCarthy? Like, right. you, you didn't bring in other guys just to see. I mean, I, I don't even know. I don't even know how to compare this, but, you know, 
we think the Browns right now are, are a mess in terms of how they're being run, but, you know, because they got rid of Kitchens and Dorsey, it was just a mess this year, but guess what? They've brought in like seven interviews, right? There's seven guys to interview. I figured that's the way they would do it. Do you right. have a sense that maybe this thing was in the works for a while with the Cowboys? Maybe that they already had their eye on McCarthy to the point where, look, we'll just bring in Marvin Lewis or whoever just so people think we're interviewing candidates, but it's kind of McCarthy the whole time. It, it certainly looks that way now. Uh, you know, especially the way the Jason Garrett kind of dance went there towards the end. It was almost like, you know, it seemed like they were either buying time or they certainly didn't seem like they were worried about these other candidates getting snapped up like the Matt rules and, uh, you know, other, other coaches that were in consideration for other jobs. They, they never seemed like they were worried about it. And I guess that was because they already, you know, were zeroed in on McCarthy and thought that McCarthy would wait for them. I assume, I mean, I, I kind of feel like, McCarthy must have known that there was a high likelihood this was coming all along uh, himself. So it's kind of a, it definitely feels like this was the direction it was going the whole time. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure how this fits. I think a lot of people have also said it's kind of, it's a little like Jason Garrett with a better resume. Um, Obviously, he's got the Super Bowl win, but kind of what you alluded to earlier is a thing that's sticking out to a lot of Cowboy fans here is, you know, when he finished in Green Bay, you know, the reports were him and him and Aaron weren't getting along because, you know, McCarthy's way has had become too archaic was a word that I read. And, and he was getting massages during Saturday walkthroughs before Sunday. And I, I don't right. know that, that he had checked out. And those things kind of pissed Aaron Rodgers off. And I kind of, you know, I'd agree with that too. That would make me mad. I just sure. wonder who, who here's the biggest winner. And it was so hysterical in Cowboys fashion yesterday, watching the press conference and seeing both of them start crying. I've never seen Jerry Jones shed a tear in my life. And he's shedding tears, and, and Mike McCarthy's getting choked up, and Stephen Jones is there. It just felt very cowboy-esque. And, and I don't know, if let's, I, my last thing here on McCarthy, I want to see what you think. If anybody's going to win here with this hiring, I, I think it would be Dak Prescott, right? Because I think McCarthy being able to handle Aaron Rodgers for so many years and, and Brett Favre towards the end, I think could maybe give Dak Prescott a, a little bit of a of a push of to get to that maybe next level. Is there someone you think wins here in this McCarthy hiring? Yeah, I, I think probably Dak. Um, you know, McCarthy, for what it's worth, you know, and I know him and Aaron Rodgers didn't leave on great terms, uh, from what it sounds like, but uh, he was, you know, partially responsible for uh, Rodgers' development, and of course he was. The original reason he was hired to begin with was because of his work, uh, you know, with Joe Montana and and that Forty Niners offense back in the day, and and being a part of of developing some really good players uh, uh, at the quarterback position. So I think McCarthy, as far as understanding quarterback play and uh, being able to get guys to an elite level. Um, he definitely has a track record of doing that. So I would say Dak, if he, uh, assuming he does, you know, eventually get that, that giant deal there that 
I'm sure he will end up getting. Um, I think that could be a big winner in all this. Okay, more surprising of a hire. I think I kind of know where this answer could go. Uh, the Giants hiring um, Joe Judge or the Panthers getting Matt Rule? I, I would say, I think it's almost more surprising that the Panthers got Matt Rule considering the uh, amount of interest in Rule because he was arguably the hot candidate. I felt like just kind of based on who got interviews and and obviously, now that we know his uh, contract that he got was, you know, massive. I think he ended up getting seven years on his deal, um, which is kind of crazy. So uh, the Panthers being the team that landed him over over the Giants, I thought was, was pretty shocking. Um, Joe Judge's name was certainly one of the more surprising ones in the cycle. But I guess after Rule kind of decided he was going to the Panthers that, you know, I – I didn't know that there was a ton of really great options left on the table for uh, for the Giants. Are you surprised in any way? Do you think there's a reason as to why Urban Meyer's name hasn't been mentioned at all with with anyone? I mean, is it maybe just maybe he shut down those rumors and doesn't want to coach, uh, and he just kind of allowed them to bleed through this through the season? Is there a reason maybe a guy like him hasn't even been looked at or interviewed? Um, you know, I, I think it's a little bit surprising for sure. Um, cause the, uh, the candidates, but the candidates as a whole with the number of openings, I, I think that this is actually a pretty strong, um, list of candidates that even like the Browns are left looking at at this point. I mean, you still got Josh McDaniels out there. Um, you know, and it's debatable how good of a candidate he is. I, I don't think he's particularly strong, but he still seems to curry a lot of uh, interest with uh, NFL teams. And then you still have, you know, a few others, and including all of the big college names uh, besides Rule. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's a strong candidate pool and a relatively small turnover this time with just five openings. Um, that's down from, I think there was eight last year and seven the year before that, so... Uh, definitely the smallest uh, number of openings we've seen in the league in a, in a few years. So I think that has something to do with it. Okay. Enough with the head coaches. We're going to get to something else here. This was going to be uh, my, my next question to you before we before our recording stopped uh, last time. Um, I love Carson Wentz. People here don't love me for that. Makes sense. That's great. Uh, it's kind of nice to go against the grain sometimes. But um, <laughs> at some point... I have to be real with myself, not only as a fan of Carson and, and, and the Eagles and kind of what they do and how they're run. I, mm-hmm. I'm starting to get a, a big level of concern because the guy hasn't played in a playoff game. And the one game that he did, I guess you could say he played in, he was gone after like a quarter and a half. If you're Philadelphia, right. you just gave him the money, you just gave him the big deal. Is there a sense, a little bit more of, of worryment in that? teams uh you know upper brass the the, their management thinking man are are we ever going to get this guy for for when it really matters i i think you have to be concerned and i i think it's you know injury prone that tag sometimes gets thrown around too quickly i think um because we've seen guys like matt stafford have an injury riddled start to their career and then 
put together a long string where they are healthy and active every game and not really having any of those issues. So I, I think sometimes that, that that can be a label that gets put on a guy that ends up not being – it's really more of a fluke thing than anything. But at this point, I mean, Wentz has really struggled with it, and we're, what, three years into – uh, his his career or is this his fourth that they're finishing? Um, fourth year, fourth year, yeah, it, fourth year, yeah. So, and he's only you know has he? I don't know that he's been healthy, fully healthy for any of them. Um, so I, I mean, he when he gets on the field, I think he's a good player. Um, I think he's a very good quarterback. I think he's talented. He does everything that you want him to do. But there's there's enough red flags that I think it's it's fair to be concerned about. You know, like you said, are we ever going to get him in the playoffs healthy uh, and be able to take us where we want to go? And then, you know, there there still continues to be some of the kind of rumblings off the field about, uh, you know, he's not the most popular guy in the locker room and that kind of thing, which, you know, I never know how much of that to buy. But um, there's there's definitely a few things around Wentz that, that make you think, you know, just pause for a moment before saying, uh, the Eagles are are absolutely just you know locked up with with a great quarterback for the next ten years. Like I'm sure that they would hope that they would be at this point. Okay, so let's get to the divisional round of playoff games. Uh, we're going to leave the Titans one for last, so we can kind of go in depth with our boys and see how they can pull off an amazing upset on Saturday. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start with a team that's in our division that's playing as well, Houston and Kansas City. Had a buddy on during the radio show today. We kind of talked to this game at length because. I think you have two unbelievable playmakers at quarterback. Um, there, there's people that I've talked to that love Deshaun a little bit more than Patrick. Uh, it's just, you know, Patrick got put into the situation where it seems like he has every speed demon in the NFL playing with him, and he can just launch it 70 yards every time he wants to. It's kind of how Andy Reid coaches. Deshaun has a little Russell Wilson to him. He's got to, like, make stuff up with how Houston's run. Um who do you like in this game, and, and and why? What's the determining factor? Why are you picking that team? So I like the Chiefs ultimately to win the game, though I do think I I, I really can't wait to watch this one. I, I think this one's going to be an extremely exciting game um, with Watson and Mahomes kind of trading blows. But I do like the personnel uh, package. I guess the the total package around Mahomes better. Uh, then I like the package with uh, Watson on the Texans. I think Mahomes has the better offensive line. I think he's got uh, a comparable wide receiver core. I mean, once you throw Kelsey into the mix, uh, you know, you you could argue in circles about you know Kelsey plus Tyreek and and Watkins against uh, you know uh, Hopkins, Fuller, and Stills. But ultimately, I think you've got to prefer the the kind of mixture of talent that the Kansas City has, um, and then I think they also have a better defense. And I'll take Andy Reid over over Bill O'Brien as well. So I, th- I think there's more support for um, Mahomes, and then throw in playing in Kansas City. Um, I, I I just like the Chiefs to get it done, even though uh, the Texans didn't go beat them there already once this year. So. Um, I think the Chiefs end up winning the game, but I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch, and there should be some some high drama with uh, you know you can never really count Watson out. 
I've uh, I don't know if my Dragon Ball Z people are out there. I don't know how many people watch Dragon. I don't know if you have or if you did, but oh, yeah. <laughs> to to me, Deshaun Watson will will literally have to be Super Saiyan like four in order to win this football game. <laughs> he will have to absolutely be berserk. Uh, but I'm with you though. I think Kansas City ultimately at home. I, I just kind of like them a little bit more um, than Houston. And like I said, in order for that to happen, I think Deshaun would have to have the best game of his life i think so um okay next game um seattle at the packers you won't probably find a bigger aaron Rodgers guy than me uh i've made the argument i think he's probably the most talented thrower of the football the game's ever seen that being said even me as a big aaron Rodgers guy um i, I can't keep making up excuses for them losing in the postseason as of late when it comes to Rodgers, whether it's the defense or the offense now his offense might not be as great as it has in the past, but they're thirteen and three. So I, I think the, the 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 big thing here is Aaron. This game is going to be. I think he knows it's so big for him, legacy wise, that I like the Packers in a close one. I think Seattle's depleted. Um, what are your thoughts on this game, and and is this kind of a big one for Aaron going forward? Because you know, you don't have to deal with New Orleans anymore. You're at home. And if San Francisco loses, you get the championship at home. I think this is kind of Aaron's late push in his career for the last hoorah. Yeah, I, I think, I, I do think it's an important game for him from, uh, yeah, I, I think his his legacy is somewhat secured as a Super Bowl winning quarterback and all the accolades he's piled up over his career. I, I think he'll go down as, as an all-time great Um but, you know, it, it does seem like he's kind of been left out of for, – there for a little while he was being talked about as, all right, now he could get into the Breeze, uh, Manning, Brady, uh, you know, that kind of conversation. And I feel like now he's kind of been set into the next tier um, as far as talks about the greatest quarterbacks of the last, you know, couple generations here now. Um, but – it, it, I do think it's important for for that aspect, but I actually I, I kind of like the Seahawks here, um, just because Russell Wilson I think is phenomenal. Um, I think DK Metcalf is really coming on, and that uh, the Packers defense has been really good, um, but I, I I just kind of feel like Seattle's got a little bit of that magic going, um, and they're a team that's won a lot in the postseason. Pete Carroll's won a lot in the postseason. Um, I just kind of like the Seahawks to get it done on the road. Okay, so Adam Thielen is questionable. We just saw the Vikings kind of do their thing in uh, in New Orleans. Whether you think that was a push-off or not, whatever. The Vikings, the Vikings were just a better team um, this past weekend. They go to the Niners. Uh, I think it was important for the Niners to get home field advantage because they got a lot of young guys. These guys have never been in the playoffs. I think it's more comfortable. It's better for them to play at home. So I kind of like I like the Niners here. Um, so far, I've liked all three home teams. We'll see if that works out. But I like the Niners here simply because I the the Vikings are going to need Dalvin Cook, I think, to go berserk big time um, in order for this game to, to be in their favor because although... Kirk Cousins may have shut up some critics. He didn't shut up me. So, whatever. He won a big game. It was a playoff game. Great. But his track record's not great in these type of games. So, I like the Niners here simply because I'm not sure if I can get 
a consistent or clutch Cousins on back-to-back weekends. I can't even do that in the regular season. I'm not even going to think about doing that from wild card to divisional. Um, what do you think is the biggest key in this game, and who do you got? Yeah, I, I really like the Niners in this one, too. Um, I do think, you know, this is going to be a, a big spot for Jimmy G. I mean, he is, he, he's been great this year. Well, I guess maybe not great necessarily, but he's been, he has done what they needed him to do uh, this year. But, you know, this is his first uh, real big opportunity in the playoffs. Um, and there's kind of, it, the pressure and I think the, the the stage certainly ramps up. Um, so we'll see we'll see what he can do there. But I I just think the Niners, from a talent standpoint, uh, really are going to outclass uh, Minnesota. Um, and from a coaching standpoint, I really love Shanahan. And I, I think with two weeks to prepare, uh, you know, even though I'm sure he probably didn't think he was going to see the Vikings. Uh, in this game, I, I just ha- I just get the feeling that the Niners are going to have some stuff dialed up uh, that the Vikings probably haven't seen on tape, and and I think the Niners are going to win big in this one. I think that front seven that John Lynch has built is is built to stop a guy like Dalvin Cook, although he's been pretty unstoppable the whole year. But I think Absolutely. that'll I think and, I think that'll be the big thing. And no no Thielen or slash a banged up Thielen to me is is a huge downgrade for the Vikings offense. I I think he's phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've told people, I think he might be even better than, than Diggs. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he's the key, key cog to that offense. All righty. Buckle up people. It's time for some Titans football. Um, (laughs) we, we had our time to celebrate. Uh, and then as soon as I mentioned to my dad, we're going to Baltimore he he stopped the celebration um, because, you know, it's nice. I, I think I saw the thread that you made, oh, man, maybe a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, talking about how, how the Titans could, could really go on this revenge tour all the way to the Super Bowl, right? And right. Um, they did step one, which was beat New England. You know, there's a lot of Titans personnel, I think, upper management from New England, plus Vrabel, of course. And so I think it was just good to go up there and, and – potentially end that whole thing right so yeah that was big it was exciting um i thought there were times in that game that they should have just broken that thing away i think the logan ryan almost interception probably gave me the biggest heart attack of my life because i thought the game would have been i thought it would have been done i was like oh my goodness it's over there's no way because we're gonna get the ball at the second half and we're gonna run this thing to the ground um anyway he ended up redeeming himself at the end but Okay, uh, let's start with the negatives here going to Baltimore. Let's end this episode on a good note, please. But let's start with the negative. <laughs> in, in, in a quick way, before we get to details, and, and these may be obvious answers, but we need to put them on the table. How does this thing absolutely re- fall off a cliff for the Titans on Saturday? Like, is there something immediately that you'll notice off the bat and you'll be like, uh-oh, this is going to be a long day? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, I really think it's going to be a fascinating matchup because the Titans offense and the Ravens offense are both very interesting matchup problems. And we saw New England do something that nobody had really done against the Titans all year. Um, And I'm interested to see if Baltimore 
follows New England's blueprint for defending the Titans, which was essentially, all right, we'll, we'll let Derrick Henry run a little bit if if, uh, if they want to keep pounding the ball, but we are absolutely not giving up the play-action shot plays and the, the A.J. A. Brown crossers and all the other stuff that the Titans want to do uh, off of that. If, if the Ravens come out and sit back with two deep safeties, and invite the the Titans to run the ball. I, I think that's trouble for Tennessee. Honestly, I I mean Derrick Henry could still have another big game, and maybe you get enough in the red zone to get get the job done. But ultimately, I think you're you're better off if the Ravens come out and pack the box and try to take away Henry, which opens up everything else in the passing game. So I, that's the biggest thing. I I don't think the Titans are gonna stop Lamar Jackson I mean the the Ravens have not been held under 20 points all season uh I don't expect them that this to be the first time that that happens um so I think you're gonna have to win a shootout I think you're gonna have to probably put up 30 points and the way that you're gonna do that is if you can get the play action passing game going um for for Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown and and the rest of the Titans weapons. So if the the Ravens come out and and take that away, I think the Titans are in for a long day. Okay, so I talked to somebody and I was talking to them about this game and and I told them, "Look, um I don't want to go into a game and I I talk about this a lot of time when I want to talk about NBA or whatever it is. I don't want to go into a game knowing that I could have done something else and leaving that game thinking to myself, man, if we had just done that, we, we might have had a different result. So to me, if the Titans go into this game thinking to themselves, if we can just stop the man from running and he lights us up for 400 yards passing and five touchdowns, you tip your hat, you take your, you know, get your plane ticket and you come home to Nashville and you say, you know what? We bet on him to throw the ball, and he killed us fine. I think that has got to be the approach because I don't know if, if and maybe you can enlighten me because I know you watch a lot of film, but I don't know, is is there some teams that just maybe don't go into a game that way trying to stop Lamar's running ability and, and that kind of the packages into, into how they run? Um because I think if the Titans go in there and just focus on that and they lose with his arm, fine. You go home and you tip your cap. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think the Titans have to – they've got to get the Ravens out of just being able to run these option plays down their throat all game. Um, because it, the Ravens are outstanding in the red zone, so – you know, if they're able to grind their way down the field, they're perfectly happy to be able to do that and then get in the red zone and score. They don't they don't need to have the explosive plays. And, and the Titans are a little bit the same way. These are the two best red zone offenses in the entire NFL this year with the Titans actually being number one uh, and the Ravens being number two. But, you know, if I'm if I'm Tennessee and I'm I'm coming into this game nine and a half point underdogs, I feel like I need to get some turnovers. I need to get Lamar Jackson putting the ball in the air. You know, hopefully, maybe Dean Pease can can confuse him with some of these coverage, uh, these these rotations in the defensive backfield that he loves to to roll out there. Um, the Titans having a Dory Jackson in this game makes you feel a lot better. They're going to end up having, uh, you know, kind of 
four of their five main pieces in that secondary available, uh, with Butler being the only absence, obviously. And, and frankly, um, Tremaine Brock has played pretty well the last couple games. So you've got a veteran secondary, uh, and Dean Pease is really known for being able to confuse young quarterbacks. Now, Lamar has been outstanding as a passer this year, but I think that's, that's the goal is you put him in spots where he's going to have to throw the ball and you know he's going to have to throw the ball. Um, the problem is, you know, a third and eight against Lamar is not like a third and eight against most teams because most teams it's all right, well, we need to cover downfield. And as long as we do that, we're in good shape with Lamar. You've got to also be very careful with your rush and, and probably spy a guy and, you know, you almost need to spy two because one guy, a one and one in the open field against Lamar is advantage Lamar. So um, it, it's a unique problem uh, to to really defend him. And I'm fascinated to see how Pete's, uh plans to do it. I mean, honestly, you know, the Titans defense hasn't been elite this year. They've been good. Uh, I think they're 12th uh, in the NFL in points allowed. And they're coming off, frankly, one of their better games. Uh, which is encouraging. So I think Dean Pease, though, is is one of the more creative defensive coordinators uh, in the league. And if there's a guy that's going to be able to maybe figure something out, get, get a creative look that maybe Lamar hasn't seen or, or that could give Lamar some problems, I think Pease has as good a chance as anybody. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of how you want to approach it. But I agree, you've got to get him put the ball in there hope to get some maybe a tip pass here and there and, and create a turnover um, and kind of slant the field in your direction. I, I was uh, watching a video on Twitter of, of Rabel during his press meet or his, I guess his media day is Wednesday or Tuesdays or Wednesdays. Um, whenever his media day is, I saw a little video. He was pretty much saying they were using Mariota to practice against the defense, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting you know, kind of simulating that running quarterback type of uh, mentality. Um, I, I want to get to this. I love Tannehill. The one thing that scares me sometimes is, and I think you've mentioned this here, matter of fact, is sometimes his his, his pocket presence. Um, it, it scares me a lot. When that pocket begins to shrink a little bit, it just, and not that he freaks out, but he maybe doesn't exactly know where everybody is uh, in terms of the pass rush. Do you expect the Titans to to bring in a lot more of their bigger packages that they like to do just to give them a little bit more time? Because I think if they can give them a couple seconds more, although, and, and the Ravens play a lot of man with one safety just to keep Henry contained, I think I, I kind of like my chances uh, with A.J. Brown and, and Corey Davis you know, running their routes down the field. The only thing you'd have to be careful for is there's a little guy back there who plays like a big guy, and he's Earl Thomas, and he can get the ball anywhere. I just think Titans might need to bring in a little extra help just to make sure that Ravens passers doesn't get there so Tannehill can be safe. Yeah, and, and the Titans have loved those max protect, you know, kind of shot plays all year off of play action. And, you know, we saw a couple of them last week, and they didn't end up really hitting because – the, the Patriots were just so conservative with their coverage. They just sat they sat safeties over the top all day long and refused to come bite up on anything. So, you know, they, 
I think the Ravens' tendency defensively is to be far more aggressive, um, especially guys like Marcus Peters, um, even Earl Thomas. You know, he, he, they have a tendency to want to jump routes, and I, I kind of think that plays into the Titans' favor a little bit because with these play action uh, kind of max protect plays that they like to draw up, a lot of these things are going to be double moves and things like that, and you might be able to get a Marcus Peters trying to jump a route. Uh, and get over the top for for a long touchdown. So uh, that'll be an interesting matchup. And I I do think Tannehill, um, you know, he's got to be able to protect the ball. He had the one fumble uh, against New England um, on a sack where, I mean, frankly, that one wasn't – I didn't feel like that one was so much on Tannehill. I think he – they were in a max protect, and it was a long developing route that he was waiting for downfield. And he just – I mean, he had two ends collapse on him at the same time, and uh, and one of them got their hands on the ball and raked it out. Um, that one I, I didn't think was so much a poor quarterback play as some of the other ones have been, but that has been an issue for him, uh, especially earlier in the season when he first came into the starter job. So I said going into the Patriots game, uh, I was talking to this with my dad, and I said, Dad, Tannehill's going to have to make, because I, I kind of expected a sloppy, low-score game. I said, Dad, Tannehill's going to have to make five to six throws. And it doesn't have to be a lot, but he's got to make five to six big ones in this game for the Titans to pull this off. And I think he did them. The touchdown yeah. to Ferkser, beautiful. On the money. Uh, and we see, we've seen Tannehill pretty deadly accurate. I I, I saw the one on, on Twitter when they were playing in Houston the last game. He threw that ball to Tajay Sharp, I mean, across the field, but, I mean, it was so on the money. So, Tannehill's been extremely accurate. I think in this game, that number's got to double. I think he's got to make somewhere between 10 and 12 big throws, particularly maybe third down, maybe a fourth and one. I I don't know, although on fourth and one, I don't know what we're doing throwing the ball. But um, (laughs) I I just think Tannehill's going to have to make somewhere around that 9 to 12 big throws in order for the Titans to be able to maintain possession of the football. Yeah, I, I think and I think you're dead right about the Patriots game. A lot of people are looking at his box score and saying, oh, he only threw for 72 yards and he threw that, that really bad pick. He had a terrible game. That's really not true. Um, the Titans corner, or the Titans had a couple of plays where the receivers struggled to get separation from the corners. They had one on Ferkser that it was really probably a defensive pass interference, although I understood why it wasn't called, uh, but it was very much, you know, a play where the corner held his arm down and he was not able to get his second hand up to, to catch the pass. And then there was a, a close play to Corey Davis that maybe he should have held on to down the sideline. That was an extremely accurate throw. I thought Tannehill actually played really well for the most part in that game. They just didn't need him to do a ton because Henry was breaking off, you know, five to eight yards per carry basically uh, throughout the entire game. So, you know, I I still have a lot of confidence in Tannehill from a standpoint of I think he's going to go out there and he is going to make some plays. Um, It, You know, like I said before, it'll be interesting to see how the Ravens approach it defensively. Are they going to – invite the Titans to run because I, I think if you do invite the Titans to run, they're going to take the run because, I mean, Henry's red hot and if they can, you know, 
keep the ball on the ground and safely pick up, you know, five to eight yards to carry there, they're going to continue to do that. And, um, but if the Ravens are, I feel like the Ravens are, are just not going to be patient enough. They're not going to have that Belichick, you know, kind of Zen mindset of, you know, I, I don't care what happens. I don't care how embarrassing my run defense is right now. I'm going to keep putting these safeties high and, and keep inviting them to run it. I think they're good. I think the Ravens are going to want to dominate this game and I think it's going to make them impatient and I think it may expose them a little bit to that that Tannehill play action game. Um what do you think's the biggest matchup that maybe people aren't really talking about cuz obviously Henry's made national news and and you know Earl Thomas has made national news about, you know, the trash talk he's doing and blah blah blah. If Tannehill throws it then you know that's that's good for us or whatever. Is sure. there is there a matchup that you're looking at, thinking, man, no, nobody's really talking about this, but this could really make or break the game for for either team. You know, I, I think AJ Brown against uh, you know whoever they kind of stick him on uh, between Jimmy Smith and uh, Marcus Peters is going to be a huge deal. Obviously, Brown only having the four yards, uh, one catch for four yards against the Patriots. They the Patriots intentionally took him away. They they bracketed him on most third downs, the double coverage. Uh, they put Gilmore on him a good bit when it was on early downs and man coverage. So the Patriots certainly focused on Brown. And, you know, I don't know if the Ravens will do the same, um, but they have not shadowed like New England has in the past. They've been more, I guess, comfortable playing their sides of the field with Jimmy Smith. Uh, on one side and then Peters on the other and letting, uh, you know, the offense dictate matchups. And frankly, I like the, the matchup as good as Marcus Peters is and as good as he's been since going to the Ravens. I like the matchup of Brown against Peters. I, I think Brown is a much more physical player. I think Peters, you know, even in a playoff scenario, uh, they need to test his will to tackle a 226 pound, uh, wide receiver in addition to, you know they're going to test his will to tackle Derrick Henry on the on the edges with those outside zone runs, but I think they could make Peters have a very very long day uh, if they can target him with Brown and and make him cover that physical receiver all day. Um, I, I was thinking about this kind of as you as you were just talking, and I kind of have has this game has been building up um, the entire week. I kind of like my my well the the bad thing is let me start with this as my get my thoughts together here. Um Jayon Brown I don't think is going to play from what I've right, seen. Right, yeah, he's he's okay. out. Yeah. Okay. So I like I think Vaccaro had a great game against the Patriots. Um I think the play that really stands out was, you know, the, the when he filled the hole in that one run just slammed Michelle, I think is who it was. Um and so I'm just wondering, who do you think, if the Titans really, you know, stack this box here, play single high, safety, um, would you like to see kind of Logan Ryan and Vaccaro kind of playing that box more instead of maybe in those wide receivers? Because I think I trust those guys to make tackles maybe in there with the big guys more than just playing, you know, your regular set of, you know, linebackers in there. Um I think how the Titans use their safeties and, and kind of their gadget guy and Logan Ryan is going to be huge in this game. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think if you look back at uh, the Chargers game last year when the Ravens were in the playoffs, and this, I'm working on a, a piece for Music City Miracles right now that is going to kind of highlight some of the some of the approaches to stopping Lamar in, in different matchups in the game that I think are interesting. But if you look at what the Chargers did last year, I mean, they they basically, you know, played seven defensive backs most of the time. Um, I don't think the Titans will go that extreme because I do think they want Rashawn Evans on the field more often than not. Um, but I do think you could see a lot of their big dime package, which they have rolled out at, at points during this year that kind of features – Kenny Vaccaro is a second linebacker type role, uh, and then Amani Hooker and Kevin Byard in the game, along with the three corners. And uh, it'll be Brock, uh, Ryan, and Adoree Jackson. Um, I think that's a good package to start with. You know, it's a little bit light maybe against the run, but the the Titans are pretty stout up front when they have Casey Simmons and Jones all on the field together. Um, so I kind of like that look uh, as a way for approaching this team because you get a lot of speed on the field. You get a lot of guys that you know are good tacklers that are able to move with Lamar. I mean, nobody's going to be as fast or as quick as as Lamar necessarily, but you know, a guy like Vaccaro and a guy like Ryan, I think, are going to have a better shot than most at kind of corralling him or at least making him slow down and allowing the rest of the defense to rally. Uh, to him so I, I like the idea of putting that big dime package in the game frequently and and basically trying to kind of hem Lamar in a little bit more than, than some other teams have done I saw a video where this guy was kind of outlying I think it might oh man it might have been Teron Davenport the ESPN guy for the Titans I yeah. don't know if you saw the video he kind of laid out that there's a way that they could potentially kind of slow Lamar down when they do this these read option stuff by by putting not only your defensive ends a little wider but putting an extra guy out there on the edge to you know wherever they do this read option you know Lamar is always looking at that defensive end if he crashes he's going to keep the ball well he was kind of laying out that hey you could put eight guys in the box put an extra two guys out there and if he crashes the defensive end on you know whoever it is Mark Ingram you still have a guy there waiting for Lamar. Um, and so I, I just think if anybody's going to come up with these interesting ideas and, and crazy, you know, I, I love it when the Titans go into a play and all the defensive linemen are standing up. Quarterback's got to figure out who's coming. So I think if you made a point earlier about DMPs, if anybody's going to come up with this, and I think you're right, it, it's going to be him. Yeah, I, I think it's... Um... It, there's there's a lot of wrinkles that the Ravens can throw at you with what they do. Um, but Pease has seen, I mean, he's seen it all over the years. The guys, his experience as they come, his, his tip sheets for players uh, going into games is legendary. You know, Kevin Byard talked about it last year when uh, the Titans played the Cowboys, that his interception in the end zone uh, that kind of helped turn that game around for the Titans was based off of a Dean P's tip that he he gave him saying, you know, Lyle Collins is if he's got his uh I, I, something with his feet though the way he had his feet aligned. Uh if Lyle Collins is aligned like this, then you know it's going to be a pass. And he said, I knew it was pass from the start, so he was like, I didn't even bite on the run fake. I did, I was following the tight end uh, you know, and then pulled off and, and got over the top of the wide receiver the whole way. So 
stuff like that, those those little tips, having smart players like Kevin Byard, uh, Logan Ryan, I, I think Kenny Vaccaro is a sharp guy. Um, I, I think the, the Titans have some of the ingredients that you'd like to see a team have to have a chance at stopping Lamar. I mean, this is a monumental task, and nobody's really done it to a – uh, extremely high degree, but if you're going to build a roster that could do it, I think the Titans defense is as good as any um, to have a chance. So, you know, is it going to be a huge task? Is there a chance? That, is there a good chance that the Titans still end up giving up, you know, 28, 35 points, whatever to, to Lamar? It's sure, absolutely. But, you know, I, I kind of like the Titans' chances here. I, I don't think that this is a team that's going to go away, you know, even if the the Ravens come out and sock them with an opening drive touchdown, we've seen this team come back from opening drive touchdowns constantly this year. Um, I, I think this is a team that's going to be there in the fourth quarter, and, you know, we'll see who makes the, the plays that matter. If they win the coin toss, do you want them to get the ball or to kick it? Oh, I, I think the Titans take the ball if they win the coin toss. I, I agree. I think they take the ball and try to take some of the – the sting out of uh out of that offense right away yeah time of possession man I, I love that whatever it was eight minutes 49 second drive they went on late in the second half against new england i was like yeah. good i don't care what it'll score just keep brady off the field um, yeah they they dominated that second half with the, the run game absolutely you know one of the random things that i've learned to say this year as i watched the titans in brett kern i trust because, man, yeah. that guy is so good. And, and he literally, if and I'm going to be 100% honest, if we don't have as good of a punter as Brent Kern, I don't think we win that game in New England. Because he flipped the field. What did he do? He put it at the 10, the 11, and the 8 like three times. I don't, yeah. I've don't. i never seen a punter affect a game more than I did last Sunday. Obviously, the last one was great. Um, yeah, I but I love um, Brett Kern, and he could be huge to flip the field on the Ravens and pin him, you know, inside the 10 three or four times, I think would be massive for this team. Absolutely. Yeah, those those hidden yards are particularly big in a game, you know, against a team like the Ravens where, you know, any first down you can make them get is, is one more opportunity to take the ball away. So, you know, if you can put them at the 10 instead of the 20, that's one more first down that they've got to get on their way to the end zone. So, you know, I, I think Kern is huge. I, I'm glad he won All-Pro um, or was named All-Pro. He absolutely deserves it. He's the best punter I've ever seen um, for for this team for sure. And, I, you know, I, I put him up there among the best of all time at this point, honestly. I mean, he's been unbelievable, especially over the last few years. Um, he seems to just be getting better and better. And uh, that punt to seal it um, kind of just – putting that perfect roll on it all the way down to the one was uh, a thing of beauty um, Saturday night. So absolutely, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a big weapon. Play, play of the week for me. Okay, I've taken a ton of your time. Give me now finally a couple of positives here. End this on a great note, this episode. The Titans go into Baltimore, and they win this thing because, question mark, I think it's because Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Jonu Smith, and Corey Davis go wild, you know, in the play-action passing game. I, I think the Titans, we've seen them put up 35 points or more in four of their last eight games, um, you know, four of the last seven in the regular season. And I think 
we can see another performance like that in this game. You know, the Ravens have a great secondary. I'm not discounting that at all, but I don't think their secondary is as good as the rate or as good as the Patriots secondary that we saw last week. And I also don't think they're going to take the same approach to this game that the Patriots did. So I think the Titans win if Brian Tannehill and the receivers go nuts. And I think there's a chance that happens. I like it. Kill them early and then run that 240 pound man in the fourth quarter and just bruise them. That's what I, that's, that's what I want to see. And uh, I think if the even if the turnovers are zero to zero, that's a plus for the Titans. <laughs> and if you win the turnover battle, great, that's even better. So keep the yeah, ball. Yeah, I feel like a a turnover or two would be a huge deal for them. Yep. In this game, absolutely, it would be massive. Um, all righty, let's not drop interceptions like Logan Ryan did either. Let's not do that. Any <laughs> any time that ball comes our way, please catch it. Don't think end zone. Catch it. Anyway. Well the. The funny thing about that, real quick before we get out of here, I, I, so I went to training camp uh, for a few practices before this season, and one of the things that I, I distinctly remember being out there uh, was during a joint practice with the Patriots, um, Tom Brady had thrown a pass. It was kind of during one of the scrimmage uh, scrimmage periods, and Imani Hooker dropped an interception that, that he could have had on Tom Brady. And I was standing right near it, and Brable walked past Hooker on the way back to the huddle and said, the great ones aren't going to throw it to you twice. you got to catch the ones that they do throw you. And that, that, those words exactly popped into my brain when Logan Ryan dropped that, that interception that could have been a pick six right before the half. And I was like, this is exactly what Brable said. They're yep. not going to throw you another one. And then, lo and behold, he did right there at the end of the game, and it ended itself. So, um, I've never been more excited for Mike Vrabel to be wrong than uh, than in that moment. And again, I, I told my dad as soon as it happened, I was like, you know what? If that had happened to any other player on the Titans, I would have been like, oh man, that sucked, but he dropped it. But I think the fact that it happened to Logan Ryan hurt me so much because I, I just think personally he's the best player on that defense just because he's so smart and, and how he plays the game. I was like, oh man, that one hurt me so bad. And so to see him kind of Get it again at the end was was a lot of fun. Absolutely. All righty, Mike. Thanks so much. Appreciate your time. Sorry for the for the the recording kind of going bad on the at the beginning, but hey, we got through a fun episode, and uh, we'll see what happens this this weekend. I'm hoping the Titans come home, and I have to book a trip either to Houston or to uh, Kansas City. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's uh, let's keep the run going. Absolutely, man. I think it, I think it'd be crazy. I think it was. Uh, Hopefully your your threat about the revenge tour becomes prophecy for the Titans. So <laughs> it's shaping out that, that would way. Be a lot of fun. I heard I heard uh, I heard Jeff Fisher say on the midday 180 today over there in Nashville that uh, the Ravens are only talking because you're they're scared. If they weren't talking, uh, you know they'd be confident. So maybe maybe Tennessee's striking a little fear into Baltimore. Yeah, they, I, I have gotten a little whiff of overconfidence over there from. Uh, the Ravens kind of with some of those comments from Earl Thomas and uh, Matthew Judon talking about how much he wants to hit Derrick Henry. We'll see how much he wants to hit him uh, come Saturday night. Yeah, trust me. In the fourth quarter, after hitting people all game, I don't know if you want 240 pounds coming at you. So, I don't know. No. We'll see. All righty, man. Thanks so much. We'll have to have you on again, of course, if this thing keeps going. And even not, you're always a great guest, so I appreciate that. And we'll. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. 
have a great day and then uh we'll uh we'll see you later all right sounds good